Welcome again, Cornerstone. My name is Nathan Liu, and I'll be giving the scripture reading for this morning. Uh, today's scripture is from 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 to 27. You can follow along in your own Bibles, or just follow along on the passage that will be displayed on your screen. Uh, again, the passage is 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 to 27. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. May God bless the reading of his word. Good morning again. Welcome to our Cornerstone worship service. We're glad that you can join us. And especially if you're new, and especially if you're new to our area for the fall, uh, we'd especially like to give you a warm welcome to our church community. As you can see, we, we are not currently meeting in person, but uh, we'd love to connect with you in some way. So, uh, please reach out to us so that we can uh, reach out back to you and we can connect with you. And we hope that you are staying safe during these uh, crazy times right now. And so what we're doing uh, is we're continuing in our series through the letters of John. And so we um, just started First John the past couple weeks. And we're going to continue in this theme of walking like Jesus. That is a overarching theme of this uh, these letters that we have we, that we are going to be reading and so uh, much of what we've read is about walking into the light which means we we walk like Jesus that we walk in the light and we abide in him and when we do that we love others and we no longer walk in sin and we obey his commandments so here in this chapter we see the author deal with something called Antichrist, which sounds like a scary word if you're familiar with it at all. And you may have heard this word uh, referenced before about the devil or the devil incarnate who will come and bring terror on the world before the end of days. Uh, and there is some evidence of this in John 17:15. John talks about the evil one who may be a future figure that is to come as the devil incarnate. However, historically speaking, um, Antichrist were simply considered uh, an evil to be an evil power, even though even though a single person may be the head 
of that anti-Christian power uh, in our world. But but not to get too theological, it's actually dispensational theology that has made us think about the Antichrist as a person a lot more so. And so dispensational theology, in, in very short, has a certain framework of the end times where they believe that the Antichrist, a person who presumably is Satan himself, will possibly be a political or a religious figure that would come in some time in the future and that would begin this process of the end times, of Jesus' eventual return. And, of course, how the end times happens and specifically will be based on varying opinions based on how you read Revelation and other, other parts of Scripture, which people have, again, uh, di- widely different opinions about, but but that's not all that important for our purposes today. Therefore, this idea to to call the future figure that would bring this end of the world, who would be the devil incarnate, essentially as the Antichrist, um, probably started in the 1900s. This uh, focus and emphasis on this. Uh, which means that it's relatively recent where uh, this has been the focus of what the Antichrist is. And it hasn't been the practice of most theologians throughout um, the past couple thousand years. So we're not going to dig too deeply about uh, what dispensational theology is. Um, and that's something I encourage you to kind of look up on your own or that's something we might be able to address in some other way or form. But we're going to be looking at this word Antichrist because it's in our passage and this warning uh, against them based off of what we see throughout these letters, because uh, these are actually the only references in these letters of John where we see the word Antichrist used. So let's pray and ask the Lord to help us see what this means uh, for us as followers of Christ and how we can protect ourselves, because that's what John is calling us to do, to, to protect ourselves against these Antichrists. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we uh, join together uh, in prayer, seeking your wisdom, seeking your guidance as we think about uh, this warning that has been given against Antichrist. So Lord, uh, help us to understand what this means for our time, for our, for our day and age, but also, Lord, more personally for us. In what ways do we need to uh, beware of these false witnesses? In what ways do we need to Um, lead ourselves away from these temptations and point ourselves back to you and the truth. So Lord, help us to do this. Help us to understand uh, these spiritual evil forces that are out there as well. And Lord, most of all, may we just put our trust in you and faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So first, John points out in verse 18 of our passage that we are living in the last hour which means that Jesus has, has risen up into heaven, and now we, here on earth, are simply awaiting his return. So we are in that age right now as well. And we do not know when the time will come when he returns, when Jesus returns, but we know that in his timing, he will come very soon. And it says this in verse 18, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, So now many antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. Now, right after he talks about the last hour, he says that antichrists have come. 
Now, John is referring back to the words of Jesus in Matthew 24, where Jesus says that there will be false Christs and false prophets who do great signs and wonders, but they will lead us astray. And this is the reality that although God's work continues on by his grace, the work of the evil one continues on as well. And these false prophets and false Christs do the bidding of the evil one. So this is another reminder for us that the evil one is very, very real. Satan is very, very real. There are evil forces attempting to lead us away from Christ and his truth. Excuse me. These antichrists, the spirit of the antichrist is attempting to deny Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Denying that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And this is what John calls liars and deceivers. So in our passage, he's basically saying, beware of liars. So the more we realize this, the better we are because we need to see that there are enemies that that are battling against us, these enemies that are fighting against us, that is working for our doom, not for our good. And until we have a proper understanding of evil, we cannot actively fight against it. And that's what John is doing here in our passage. John is telling us to beware of these liars. Beware of people who deceive you because they are antichrist. They are forces of evil. They are from the evil one. They are doing the devil's bidding, attempting to lead us away from the truth of Christ. Tim Keller, a a pastor from New York City, said this once on spiritual warfare. He said, the gospel is the only approach that truly is not simplistic, that looks at the messed up families, looks looks at messed up hearts, looks at messed up neighborhoods and says, there's biological problems, there's sociological problems, there's psychological problems, there's moral problems, there's spiritual problems, there's demonological problems. We're going to look at all of those things. We're going to deal with all of them. All of them. Until you embrace the Christian understanding of evil, you are reductionistic. You are simplistic. You'll either make the liberal mistake of underestimating cosmic evil or the conservative mistake, frankly, sometimes of just saying, we can't do a thing. Tim Keller is saying that so many times that we take this reductionistic understanding of evil and of these evil forces. For most of us in our situations, we, we probably do underestimate cosmic evil. We don't even really think about um, what cosmic evil is doing in our world. Um, and we probably, th- or we probably think that, oh, we can't do anything about evil. We are powerless to it. And we are at the whim of these evil forces, and it's these evil forces that preve- propel us to do evil. So we don't take responsibility for ourselves, but we say, oh, no, it's these evil forces that have made me do these bad things. But there's obviously a, a middle ground here for us, where not every evil thing is of the devil or antichrist, because we are responsible, like I said, we are responsible for our sins. But on the other hand, we should be acknowledging the truth that there is an evil one who who is employing these antichrists that are seeking to lead us away from the truth of Christ so that we we no longer follow him. We no longer declare him as our Lord and Savior. So who are these liars? The, The types of liars we are to be aware of are liars who lead us 
away from putting our faith and trust in Christ. So, of course, this comes in many forms. There are those who try to proclaim that our faith is wrong, that it is not the truth, that it is not what leads us to, to happiness and joy. And there are those who try to proclaim that our, our faith and our worldview is, is so limited and we, don't, we haven't expanded our minds to the actual truth out there. And we know that there are many worldviews out there and all of them claim a truth. I don't want us to have this misconception that only Christianity claims truth. All of these worldviews claim a truth. But some religions obviously say that one truth is better than our truth. Or they say that their truth is what's actually true and our truth is wrong. There is this notion that Christianity is closed-minded in that sense, that we, we believe and claim truth. And because of that, we are not open to other truths out there. But again, like I said, we are not the only religion that claims truth. And I believe that truth and objective truth is still important because without that, society would crumble. We see it today in our day and age where we don't know what is true. And because of that, because of the internet and social media and even foreign governments who are skewing what we view as true, Everything looks like it's fake. Everything is fake news. And because of that, trust has completely evaporated. And it's hard to know who to believe, which politicians to believe, which news sources to believe, which articles we read to believe. It's hard to know what is actually true. And because of that, our world is, has become more and more uncertain. It is, has become much more polarized and divided and it has become very divisive as a result also. So... Truth, knowing where truth comes from, knowing that something is actually true, is essential, and it matters. And so our truth is Jesus. He is our truth. We believe in who he is and what he has claimed in his word, and anything that leads us away from him is wrong, and that is an antichrist. And we have to really uh, beware of these liars because any one of us are vulnerable to this. We can be led away very, very easily. John says there are people who walked away even in their midst. Right? They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. This can happen to us. They seemed to be a part of the community and participated in it, but they were swayed away from the truth in some way. So these antichrists are real and can definitely lead us away from the truth. And I have witnessed this myself where I have been in circumstances where I have seen people um, who, were, who seemed to be dedicated to Christ, who followed him for years, Excuse me. But over time, these people walked away. I've seen pastors walk away. I've seen it more than once in, in seminary where people are, are being trained to be pastors, where these people have in seminary walked away from the faith. And a lot of them say it's because they felt that Christianity was hypocritical. They thought that the Bible was too inconsistent. Um, None of us are immune to this 
we are sinful human beings who can be swayed away by false teachers and prophets. And again, like I said, this happens in seminaries where people are supposed to be trained up to lead the church. And so we as Christians and as the church, we can be the ones who lead people away. That is a very real possibility. John is most likely dealing with this religion in in a uh, religion called Gnosticism back in his times, which basically stole a lot of the terminology and the motifs of Christianity. So there's this religion that looks like Christianity, that seems like Christianity, and in, in some ways might offer things that are different from Christianity, that might seem better than Christianity, but it really isn't. When you look at the, the truth of what they're saying, it's... It's not Christianity. It's not following Christ. It's not putting your whole faith in him. So that's why John emphasizes the basics again. And he, and he emphasizes it so much in, in, the, in these letters. He tells us who Christ is, what he's done for us. So any one, Because any one of us can be promoting these false teachings. And we could be uh, false prophets ourselves. We need to examine carefully what we teach, what we emphasize, whether it, it is the truth of Christ or it isn't. And not only do we need to examine what we teach, but we have to think about how we practice what we teach. There are too many stories of uh, churches falling into, into scandals and being driven by money and, and greed where Many people leave the church and are scarred by the church and never return to the church because of how the church has hurt them. And this is not something to be brushed off nonchalantly like, oh, that's not what I'm going to do. That's not what our church is going to do. But it should actually make us think, oh, are we sure that our church is teaching the right things? Are we doing the right things? Are we drawing people to the truth or are we pushing them away? And I just wanted to make sure we mentioned that because we cannot think that we are um, immune to this. We have to make sure that we, are, are, we ourselves are teaching the actual truth, that we are acting out in faith, and we are led by a spirit in all that we do. Now, although most of these circumstances that I mentioned are sad and and very discouraging. There was one situation where there was a pastor serving for years at a church, but he abruptly resigned from his position. And he did so because he felt very hurt by the church and the way they treated him. He felt as if he was doing all that he could, but things were just not going well. And, and, and people in the church were actually criticizing him uh, a lot because of uh, the state of the church. And it came to a point where a respected church member uh, basically chastised the pastor in a public meeting, in a congregational meeting, and, and criticized him very openly and very negatively. So after this, he resigned, and he had left the church, and he had completely fallen away from Christian community. He and his wife had actually left the church completely. They didn't go for a, a, quite a while. But by God's grace, he was called back by those around him who encouraged him and continued to, to pray for him. And through a long process, he returned to the church. An opportunity arose where he began pastoring again after a few years. So although he had fallen away, he didn't completely fall away by God's grace. So we, all of us, we should have hope that when our fellow friends or family members leave the church and the church community, God 
can bring them back to him one day. He is, uh, so even though John says here that they, when they went out from us, but they were not of us, he's referring to those who have completely rejected Christ and never return. Because ultimately, all of us go through ups and downs in our walk of, of faith. And we have seasons of doubt and questioning. That's very normal. And we continue to have hope and pray for those who do not yet know Christ or who have fallen away for a time. Because we never know when their hearts and minds will be open to this gospel truth again. And so we can really uh, try and pray for those who have fallen away because we never know when they can return. But we know that if they don't return, that they were not one of us or a part of us, as John says, and also as the author of Hebrews says. So this is truly a warning for us because any one of us can fall away. And and John says that if we fall away, we were not genuinely faithful to him. Let me quote what the author of Hebrews says in, in Hebrews 6. He says, For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding them him up to contempt. According to scripture, those of us who fall away and never return did not truly believe. But those of us who did fall away, we never really fell away. We may have gotten on the wrong path, but we can only be saved once because as Paul says, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so when we think about all of this, when we think about our faith, when we think about uh, our relationship with Christ, it makes us really examine ourselves, examine our hearts, right? Do we truly believe? Do we live out each and every day seeking to honor the Lord? Do Do we put our full faith and trust in Christ? If we don't, then the evil one can quickly grab a hold of us and lead us away. And so... Let us all examine our faith here today and let us beware of the liars and the antichrist that lead us away from the truth of Christ because we are all susceptible to it. But when we are in Christ, he takes hold of us and we are with him forever. And when, so when we are aware of the evil one, it actually leads us toward Christ that much more because we pray that much more we trust in god that much more we seek community that much more and when we cry out to our god we know that he answers us and he promises to protect and provide for us so it is in this posture of humility and neediness where we can truly protect ourselves which leads us to our next point which is when his word and spirit abides in us we are protected His word and spirit protect us because his word and spirit abide in us. 
this meaning of abiding in Christ or abiding in his word and spirit is simply receiving and believing and trusting in the words of Jesus. Because we know that his words are true and we can trust in his spirit as well. And that's why we're so, they're, they're so closely tied together. When we abide in his word, um, his spirit moves in us because we have to believe in the gift of the spirit and believe it to be true in order for his spirit to abide in our hearts. Verses 20 to 21 say, but you have been anointed by the Holy One and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. And then in verse 24, he says, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. What we have heard already, what we have received from the apostles and what they have taught us, we can trust in that. And when we trust in that, we can protect ourselves from deception. His word is the truth. And because we have the truth, that protects us. But, the, of course, the spirit is involved here as well because the spirit is what helps us to believe in the truth. And the spirit, of course, will never differ from the truth of the teachings of the apostles and the doctrines of the apostles that we see in the Bible. So when we are confronted with teachings that differ from God's word or contradict it, we know that we are facing false prophets and false teachings, and we need to protect ourselves from that. And so these antichrists oftentimes try to lead us astray by using things that are not of Scripture to claim that, no, their Scripture is true, their writings are true, their revelation is real, not the Bible, not what we believe is God's word. Now, ever, now, now, whenever we feel tempted to believe in something else other than God's word, we can turn to Christ himself. Jesus is our foundation. And if we believe in who Jesus is, in him as a person, as uh, God incarnate, when we believe in him being the son of God and dying on the cross and resurrecting from the dead, then we can trust his word. We can trust the scriptures because Jesus himself trusted the Old Testament. He quoted it all the time. And the New Testament is basically an account of Jesus' life and teachings, or it is the teachings of those who directly had contact with Jesus. So whenever we are tempted to no longer trust the Bible, we can look to Christ and remember that he trusted in his word. He quoted it. He believe that it was the words of God. So when we trust in Jesus, we trust in the Bible. And so when we let the word abide in us, then the spirit works in concert with the word. So whenever we attribute something to the spirit of God, it is in line with God's word as well. And so that is how the spirit and, and the word work together. Right, we believe in his word by his spirit, and we know that his word is the truth because his spirit instills in us the belief to know that it is true. And we know ultimately it is true because G it is about Jesus, and we know that Jesus is true. 
So if we feel God leading us in a certain direction by his spirit, it is our responsibility to know that that God's word responsibility to know that it is in line with God's word. And yes, maybe it may not the the Bible may not have every answer to every scenario, but we continue to apply this principle whenever we look at God's word. And when we feel led by the Spirit in a certain direction, would God's word back up what we feel by His Spirit? I remember having a close friend um, who was not a Christian, who thought the way I lived and other Christians lived was very unusual and very curious. And and that's quite normal uh, when a, a person who's not a part of the Christian community views us. It, it might look weird or different or odd, right? Well, by God's grace, this friend eventually became a Christian. And it was fascinating to see his progression um, from living a, a relatively secular life to a life that sought to follow and obey Christ. I remember one topic of conversation um, that uh, we had was regarding cohabitation of couples, where um, in, in the world it is common practice for couples to live together before they're married. And to my friend, this was normal. You, you, you This is what people do. You you test out the relationship before you get married. You make sure you're actually ready to get married. And in addition, you get to save on rent, and um, you get all these perks of having a roommate that you actually like as well. And I remember explaining to him that Christians don't necessarily do this because uh, we believe that it is too tempting for a couple to live together before marriage because chances are that they will almost always commit sexual sin before the covenant of marriage, where it is intended to be. And he found that fascinating, that, and, and a little odd, that we believe that as Christians. But afterwards, when he became a Christian, his attitude changed about this. And he would say things like, yeah, yeah, couples shouldn't act like they're married, when in reality, they're not. It's having all the fun of marriage without the commitment which is what makes marriage actually work. And he would say say this, and I, I'd be shocked that he would say something like this because before, when he was not a believer in Christ, he would say something completely different. And it, it, again, it felt odd that he would change his view so drastically, but that's what happens when the word and spirit abide in us. It protects us from wrong thinking because cohabitation sounds like it makes sense. It does. It really does. From a secular view, it, it sounds like it makes perfect sense. Um, but when you view it with a, a Christ-centered lens, so we know that it doesn't make sense. It, it, it may make logical sen- sense in our world, but when we have a Christ-centered perse- perspective, we see that the logic is flawed. And we see how it is too tempting to sin when we act like a married couple when in reality we aren't. We have all the perks of marriage without the actual covenant and the actual commitment. And so, brothers and sisters, let the word abide in us and let the spirit abide in us because we know that it can do transformative things in our hearts and it protects us, protects us from the Antichrist. So may we be filled with the anointing of God so that we are not led astray by liars. May his word and spirit change our hearts and attitudes so that our view of life changes because we see things from a Christ-centered lens. And that is why we have life groups. 
and we have other fellowships as well so that we can learn to live life abiding in his spirit and in his word. So if you haven't already, join a life group, join a fellowship. When we abide in his word, he abides in us. And when we have Christ, he promises eternal life, eternal life that can never be taken away. And so again, brothers and sisters, friends, beware of these liars. And may you know that the truth is in Christ. Amazing truth of the gospel of Jesus. And so may the spirit help us to not be led away, led astray by these liars. And may we fix our eyes on him because we know that Christ is true and what he has done is true. And we are so thankful for that. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this time to come together. Lord, we look to you for strength, look to you for guidance. May your word and spirit abide in our hearts. Lord, we take this warning to heart that we have to beware of the liars around us. So, Lord, help us to uh, realize this spiritual battle that is happening in our world. May we be more aware of these spiritual forces of evil that are tempting us away from the truth so that, Lord, we can trust in you more, lean on you more, and seek your help that much more as well. And God, uh, help us to walk together in this, Lord. We know that we cannot walk in this alone, that in order for us to um, really um, stay away from these temptations, we need to do this in community. So, Lord, help us to be a part of community. Help us to find brothers and sisters that we can um, work together to, to, to be led by, in Christ um, to do things that are good, to walk in your ways, and to love one another, Lord, and not be led by the forces of evil that are um, making us think that our desires are good, that make us think that we can be selfish in everything that we do. No, Lord, may we be led by you and your spirit and your word. May it abide in us, O oh Lord. God, help us, lead us. We can only do this by your grace. So we humbly ask you to help us, Lord. God, we thank you. We thank you for helping our church, for leading us. And Lord, may we take these next steps of continuing to walk in your ways, to walk like Jesus. And Lord, we know that a big part of that is to protect ourselves from these antichrists who are trying to lead us away from the truth. So God, thank you again for this morning. Thank you again for this time. And may we be a church that glorifies you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again, Cornerstone. Take care. Have a great week.